Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is The Demon Inside with your host, John Venom. If you want to review a different episode of The Demon Inside, you can find them on Spotify or Anchor. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. A new episode will come out every Monday. And now, to our show. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. On today's episode of The Demon Inside, we talk about the coast-to-coast killer, Tommy Lynn Sales. Sales traveled all over the United States, targeting random victims, though he seemed to prefer couples, young to middle-aged women, teenage girls, and young girls aged 9 to 14. His victims were killed in a variety of ways, including shooting with a 32 caliber revolver, bludgeoning, usually with a baseball bat, throat slashing, stabbing, and strangulation. Some victims were mutilated, and most of the female victims were raped or sexually assaulted, one of whom was violated with the baseball bat that he had used to kill her and another was forced to perform oral sex on him before her death. And one victim was run over by a train post-mortem. During his couple murders, he would also kill any children present. He would also sometimes take valuables from victims. This is the demon inside, Tommy Lynn Sales. The first time I did a shot of dope, it was the best feeling I ever had in my life. And the first time I killed somebody, it was such a rush. And it was just like that shot of dope. Every time I did it, it was that rush again. And I started chasing that high. I am hatred. When you look at me, you look at hate. When you look at me, you know what hate is. I don't know what love is. Two words I don't like to use is love and sorry, because I'm about hate. This is the philosophy and the words of Tommy Lynn Sales. He didn't care about anybody but himself. He didn't have feelings like other people. He just wanted to chase that high. Tommy Lynn Sales was born on June 28, 1964 in Oakland, California. He had a twin sister named Tammy Jean. They were two of, the, of five children in the family, having been brought into the world by Nina, their unmarried mother. A few months later, Sales and his sister contracted meningitis. He survived, but she died. Shortly thereafter, he was sent to live with his aunt, Two years later, Nina, 
brought him back home when she learned that his aunt wanted to adopt him. When Sales was seven years old, he began drinking. At eight, he was molested by a male with Nina's consent. At ten, he began abusing drugs. Three years later, he got undressed, climbed into his grandmother's bed while she slept. This incident caused him to be banned from the house, and not long afterwards, his mother and siblings suddenly left town, abandoning him. A few days later, he assaulted a female by striking her with a pistol in a fit of rage. In 1978, 14 years old, Sells was on the road, living the life of a permanent drifter. In May of 81, Sells reunited with his family in Little Rock, Arkansas. But Nina threw him out after he stripped naked and attempted to join her in the shower. So Tommy Lynn Sales committed numerous unrelated crimes for the next few years, including theft, driving under the influence, and assault. However, murder was what he enjoyed the most. In 1983, he moved to St. Louis, Missouri, where he beat a woman and her daughter to death with a baseball bat. Multiple other killings would continue to occur. On October 15, 1987... Sales drugged Stephanie Stroh with LSD before he fatally strangled her. He then encased her feet in concrete and dumped her in a desert hot spring where her body was never found. On November 17th or 18th, Sales was hitchhiking in Indiana, Illinois. He was picked up by Keith Dardine, who offered to bring him back home for dinner. When they got to the Dardine residence, Sales put out a gun and shot him in the head twice. Listen to this interview that Sales did about this crime. A 30-year-old mother, seven and a half months pregnant at home with her three-year-old son, both bludgeoned to death. What are you thinking and feeling when you kill someone? It's just like that drug. I'm after that drug again. I, I don't have an on and off switch. I'm just after that drug. I'm after that film. During the beating, Eileen Dardine went into spontaneous labor, giving birth to a daughter who investigators believed to be alive at the time. The new baby, was also beaten to death, and the body of Dardine's husband turned up a day later, shot three times in the head. So in April 18, 1999, 90-year-old Mary B. Perez was at Market Square with her family celebrating Fiesta here in San Antonio, Texas, when tragedy struck. Perez was gone what nobody knew at the time was that Tommy Lynn Sells was in San Antonio. About a week later, they found her body dumped along Alazon Creek near an underpass on IH-35 in Laredo. The child was strangled. After that, Tommy Lynn Sells traveled to Del Rio, Texas. 
This is what happened in Del Rio. Crystal Searles, 10 years old at the time, was sleeping over at her friend Katie Harris's. A decade later, that night is still fresh in her memory. I woke up startled a little bit and out of nowhere and I was kind of confused um, to a loud noise. I woke this girl up. Her friend Katie was asleep on the bottom bunk. I, I cut her bra. I kind of just like leaned my head up a little bit and I could see that there was this scary old, older man that I'd never seen before. I stabbed her here and then she like jumped back and then, then I cut her like, like this right here. He had a hand on her mouth and the knife on her neck and she's looking at me and he just cut her throat and she fell to the ground. And she fell down right here. I heard Katie at the bottom of the bed, on, or on the floor at the bottom of the bunk bed, she was like gasping for air and choking, like she couldn't breathe. 13-year-old Katie Harris lay dying on the floor. He was about to shut off the light and he looked one last time and he noticed that I was there. And he didn't hesitate at all. I mean, just shut the door, came right back towards me with the knife. And I walked over here and I went like this. The only thing that he said is, move your hands, because I had him up here, and uh, he reached over the top bunk and cut my, cut my neck. Cells sliced Crystal's neck, severing her windpipe and grazing her carotid artery. I am very sure he thought he killed me. Crystal Searles identified Tommy Lynn Cells as her assailant and her friend's killer, putting an end to his homicidal spree. Do you remember the little girl who survived? Uh, yes. There's not a day I, that goes by that I don't think about her. What did you do to her, sir? Her neck was cut. How did you do that? With a knife. Do you have anything to say to her, the little girl who survived? I guess you'll relay this message, too. Uh, I don't think... She really wants to hear what I get to say. So this was Tommy Lynn Sale's answer to a 10-year-old that he tried to kill who survived. And she doesn't want to hear his answer. I'm pretty sure his answer is, you survived. And because of you, I'm in prison. And it's all your fault. Because Tommy Lynn Sells likes to kill. And for what? Let me show you what. And I like to watch the eyes fade. The pupil fade. It, it's just like setting her soul free. Setting her soul free. So Tommy Lynn Sales, they asked him one time why he killed children. And he says because he didn't want them to live through the same abuse he did. Which for me is a load of crap. For me, this is where the demon inside comes in. Maybe Tommy Lynn Sales did kill these people on his own. Or maybe the demon inside did it. Either way, Tommy Lynn Sales accepted it. And you can always tell. Remember, I talked about the eyes. When they see the eyes of the killer, 
what did you see in his eyes? To be honest, he seemed blank. I mean, there was no emotion. It wasn't hard for him. He All he would say is, move your hands. You know, it was just, I mean, after what I'd seen him do, he had no emotion in his eyes. That emptiness evident as we spoke. So what if I called you something that you didn't like? And you'd think about killing me? Well, if we was in a fight and... You know, get your head down in the concrete, then, you know, so be it, but... What happens when my head goes down to the concrete? Well, what do you think happens? It cracks like a coconut. And then what happens? You die. So for me, these interviews, like this interview that they were doing, um... Usually these people that are doing the interviews want to hear the serial killer say that they did it and they want to do it and they want to keep killing. If you ever get a chance, you got to watch Geraldo Rivera when he's interviewing Charles Manson and Charles Manson plays with him. You know, Charles Manson says, I am what you want me to be. So for me, this interview up until that point was sincere Tommy Lancells was talking about what he had done, what he wanted to do, his feelings, his emotions on everything, until this guy started pushing about, what do you want to do? You're going to murder me. Because once you start pushing these guys to a certain point, it's not so much that they want or not want to kill it's that they want to give you what you want. And what you want is usually the shocking truth, you know. And and you really don't need that. Because most of these guys, once you start talking to them, they pretty much will tell you everything. So as I began doing the uh, all the information that I started getting on this case... I started remembering two other cases that were around 1990 of two little girls that went missing. Take a listen to this. Heidi Lynn Seaman and Erica Bateo. Many people remember only one of those names. But the two young girls are inextricably linked by tragedy. She could have been my child. Both were abducted in August of 1990. First 11-year-old Heidi and then 7-year-old Erica. Their search playing out in print and on TV. It was almost like sheer panic with the with the other volunteers. Um, Vanessa Tate Wynn, then 21, was among the thousands of people trying to find the girls. It was an immediate response. At the time, we'd never really had anything in San Antonio like that happen. Heidi and Erica's bodies were found on the same day. Their funerals held simultaneously. 25 years later, the devastating loss still haunts Tate Wynn. Everyone was just crying. You just didn't even know what to do. It was very tragic. The two abductions forever changed how missing persons cases are handled in San Antonio. But while Heidi's disappearance would result in the creation of the Heidi Search Center, Erica's story would fade to the background. People said throughout the years, you know, that it was a north side, south side thing. It wasn't that at all. My intent has always been to remember both of the girls and to not let anybody ever think that that Erica was forgotten or, you know, that Heidi was. A simple, albeit painful reminder for those who sacrificed their time and energy searching for two girls gone too soon. I don't want them to ever be forgotten. 
because to me they're just as important as they were 25 years ago. And now the other tragic detail that links Heidi and Erica's stories together is the fact that their killers were never caught. But even 25 years later, Vanessa Tate Wynn and many other longtime residents who looked for them hold out hope that somebody will be brought to justice. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. So these two code case files strike a big resemblance um, to Tommy Lynn Sales. They were young. They were girls. Uh, they happened within a few weeks of each other. Uh, both girls were thrown into uh, one was a storage drain, the other uh, by a creek. So for me, Tommy Lynn Sales came back for in August and killed these two little girls. The only problem is the police are too focused on other people. So also uh, there was witnesses that said they saw this person who was a homeless person, which the police believe was Jerry Neighbors. But remember, Tommy Lynn Sales was also homeless. So when you're homeless, I mean, it's not like you shave every day or cut your hair or take a bath. So, I mean, one homeless person looks just like another. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but it's true. And also, a lot of people, especially like when you're in law enforcement, you don't want to believe that a serial killer has come to your town, but... Let's face facts. Tommy Lynn Sales had actually come to San Antonio a couple of times that we know because during those two times, he killed two different people. So, code case? Yeah. And if you have any information on Heidi Siemens' uh, unsolved case, or if you have any information on Erica Botello, Please call SAPD or Bear County Sheriff's Police Departments. Uh, so anyway, for me, Tommy Lynn Sales is an evil, sadistic killer. And for me, he also had a demon inside of him. Which is why his survivor, the girl, said that... There was a blankness in his eyes. There was nothing there. That was a demon looking back at her. And last episode, we talked about whether or not the demon would leave or stay. So, Tommy Lynn Sales, when they asked him, what would you say to your last victim that survived? And he said what he said, which was, you know, you don't want to hear what I have to say. So maybe that means that the demon is still inside him. Maybe the demon is, is still in control. Or maybe it was Tommy Lynn Sales. Maybe the demon was for a ride and wanted to see what Tommy Lynn could do. Tommy Lynn started killing little kids after... A teenager, 19 years old, survived. 
And then he changed his tactics and decided to kill little kids because they were easier. I mean, who does that? Serial killers usually have a set thing where they kill uh, certain people that they have a bloom or something that they they see them and it relates to their fantasy it relates to them this guy didn't really see a fantasy I mean yeah he did have sex and yes he did kill a lot of people but I don't think it was a fantasy he was trying to fulfill I think it was more just to kill and for me, whether it's a demon or not, that's pure evil. So he was arrested on January 2nd, 2000. And Crystal Surlis, uh, she had her throat slashed, but she survived. She informed the neighbors and helped the police identify sales. So... Her surviving and him getting arrested. The police came in to talk to him. And of course, this was DPS and probably, you know, uh, Department of Public Safety for Texas. Uh, and also the police department in Del Rio. And, but they also, and it was a similarity to Henry Lee Lucas where they would confess to pretty much everything and anything just to kind of draw out their court date or their death sentence or, you know, to get special privileges. Tom uh, Henry Lee Lucas supposedly killed over 100 people. And now in some Netflix special, they're showing that he really didn't kill anybody. I mean, he killed maybe one or two people, but he was just confessing everything to everybody because... He wanted special perks. So when people start doing that, it's kind of hard to place who has been killing and who hasn't. So as far as what demon this is, I can't really say because this is unique for me. Uh, maybe somewhere down the road we'll end up finding out. But for now, I mean, I really don't see a demon in, demon in particular. Uh, Tommy Lynn Sells was uh, found guilty on September 18th, and two days later he was sentenced to death. He was executed by lethal injection at 6.14 p.m. on April 3rd, 2014. So that put an end to Tommy Lynn Sells because this world is a better place without him. And if you could... Think about the demon that was in him and where this demon went and with who. I'm still trying to find that same demon in somebody else, but yet I can't find it. Maybe it's hiding. Maybe it's coming back. Maybe it's being born. Who knows? The only thing that worries me is that eventually it will come back.
Don't forget to subscribe to The Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory or through our website, anchor.fm backslash The Demon Inside. A new episode of The Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time, if I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside, is on the album Conjure One by Reese Fulber. Background music was created by Lucas Key.